Well, you're already recording. I so am why, now. Why, yes. are you even, why are you even asking me? You're catching on. It's only taken you a year. <laughs> I'm gullible. I All know. right. Welcome, everyone, back to the Project Gen X podcast. I am one of your hosts, Alan Smith, along with... I'm the other guy, Dave. Big Dave. Big Dave. Or Mr. Nay. And <laughs> you do not know what you have started by doing that. I'm sure your wife loves that. So. Oh, she loves it. And evidently so do a bunch of my friends oh, there who you go. are listening to the podcast. Well, hey. Stop it. Hey. I do what I can. You yeah, know. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Today's episode, we have something special. I kind of teased it, or we teased it last week. You're a tease. And... Uh, I have. We're going to be talking about the movie Almost Famous because the day that this actually drops, which will be September twenty second, my anniversary is by the your way. anniversary. Happy anniversary! But Me and the fabulous Miss Nay that's got right. married on the twenty second. That's right, and I was there in spirit. So <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. I'm still a little was, miffed. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I was making my fame and fortune. Yeah. Uh, anyways, but no, we're going to talk about uh, the the two thousand movie Almost Famous. This is a movie that I have a couple of times posed the question, was this the last Gen X movie? Mm. Like it was squarely targeted at us. I know it's it, you know there's some baby there's some boomer nostalgia in there, you know, with the, the classic yeah. rock cuz it's set in the early 70s, you know, and that kind of stuff. Kind of, but, but it's it, it's, but it's late 70s stuff and it's Well, no, it's early cuz it was set in 73 is when the movie set. Which is when I was born. Yeah, which I was a year away yeah and but it's one of those things that we grew up on this this, music that music we also grew up with all of the tales of the rock stars from this era and also the fact that um cameron crow who who wrote this movie yeah and directed it um he himself is not gen x but he wrote a few Gen-, Gen X movies. He's actually close to Gen X. And uh, what no, year was he born? He's, he was born in the 50s. Um, he, because he wrote, he didn't direct, but he wrote Fast Times at, Ridge, at uh, Ridgemont High. Oh, I'd forgotten that. Yeah, you're right. He wrote, and I think, did he direct, say anything? I know he wrote it. I think he directed, I think that might have been his first directorial. Which is squarely right. a Gen X movie. Singles, wrote and directed singles. Oh, major Gen X. Major yeah. Gen X movie set in Seattle in the early 90s. Uh, he did Jerry Maguire, which, yeah. you know, I mean, that's that's a pretty Gen X movie in and of itself. Yeah. And uh, and then he did, this was his, this was his follow-up to Jerry Maguire. Um, and it's one of those things that, even if it's not a Gen X movie, it definitely was marketed. It's, it's marketed. It was yeah. definitely marketed to us. It was not marketed to the millennials. It wasn't really marketed to the boomers. It was really marketed to yeah. us. So uh, yeah, almost famous. Yeah, it's almost kind of like a gut punch. It's like all you Gen Xers oh, who think man. you're going to be rock stars, yeah, want to exactly. be rock stars. A year well, later, a year later, this is yeah. I know. Here's your want to be rock star. Yeah. Thanks. Well, you know, it's also one, of, we're, and we're going to get into all this because there's so much. I love this movie. I love this movie. When we did our our favorite movie, when Dave, you know, Dave and I did our this top ten favorite we, movies, this is one yeah. we agreed on. And, and I said, I, I think I should have gone back and, and should have done the research, but I didn't. Maybe I'll drop it in here. Uh, my number. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say this right now. My one, two, and three. Okay. At any given time, rotate around depending could, on the day. It and depends your mood. on the day and my mood. 
But as of today... Give me number three. My number three is almost famous. Anyway, now that we know that... Uh, <laughs> I had no idea. No, but it is one of those I, I things. Love, I know it's yeah. in my top three. Yeah. And it's one of those things that, like I said on that episode, at any given time, that top three can shift into what's at number one. You yeah. know? Um, Absolutely. And uh, we watched this movie. I know Dave had not seen the bootleg cut. Which is essentially... It, well, it's not essentially. It is the director's cut. I think it's yeah. about 20 minutes longer than the... Um, than the, the, the theatrical This is cuts. actually the one they should have put out in the theater. I agree. Because some of the added stuff yes. makes the story it, a it lot is, better. I remember when this was released on DVD. Because one of the big things, you know, because it was one of this, this came out when DVD was in its infancy. Yeah. You know, I mean, it had been, a, it had been something for about a year that DVDs had become um, affordable for the, the average person. So this was one of those movies that, like, I can't wait to get this to get the director's commentary, to get the deleted scenes, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. And I will say that the version of just the regular DVD that they put out in 2001 was pretty good because it came with a bone. It came with like a bunch of like it was a it was a two disc set. Yeah, it had they had uh, all the special features. It had all the special features. It had like it, it had like a full uh, Stillwater concert. It was them like doing like four songs or something yeah. like that of course it wasn't actually them but it was them playing it you know it came with a uh, like a, a, a cd that had like two or three songs on it you know that was like the the songs like a Stillwater songs yeah. you know which had fever dog and you had to be there and a few other you know that kind of stuff and um it was kind of cool you know that there's like they really did a lot with this yeah one of the and, and it didn't make it back into this but, now, but now one here, of the here's, here's a question those uh-huh. songs were they studio versions yes yes oh, so they yeah. weren't the live version no well that's the, the version that, that we get in the movie is a studio version it's not a live version but they did a really good job of making it sound live yeah. okay we'll, we'll get into that one because that's a really big thing for that's me on a this movie. huge thing in this movie one of the cool things they did and before we get into the movie there are still bonus scenes that didn't make it in yeah one of them and i I thought it was so cool because it had it had an introduction you know by cameron crowe there is a scene that um when william is trying to convince his mom to let him go on the road with still water yes where he's trying to convince her that um that rock and roll music is is actually worthwhile that it actually has like a uh, literary value and stuff, and, yeah. he, and he's sitting there and he's explaining to her about uh, that. Led Zeppelin wrote all these songs based on Tolkien. Yes, and so he plays "Stairway to Heaven" for her to listen to, and it's really cool because the thing is, is that the full scene it is the full seven minutes of Upstairway? "Stairway to Heaven" of them sitting there, and what's his name? Daryl's there also. Okay, and he's like. They're, and they're kind of like, you know, kind of grooving along. And he starts playing like air drums, you know, like really getting into it and everything. <laughs> but what's funny is that the big reason, well, f- besides the fact that it's a seven, you know, it's, it's such yeah. a long song. But he said one of the big reasons that they didn't use it in the movie is because they couldn't get the licensing for the song. Which is what Zeppelin's notorious right, which for. they did allow. You know, like Tangerine is yeah. in this. And, and there was another. There's a couple of Zeppelin songs that are in this. Oh, uh, Misty Mountain Hop is on here also. Uh, But it's one of those things that since they couldn't get it, basically what he said is like, okay, so we went ahead and put this in the intro. He said, we went ahead and put this on here. And so there's, you're going to see a cue of the countdown to three, two, one for you to play 
Stairway to Heaven yourself, so you can see <laughs> to, to play along, so you can get the full effect of all this. <laughs> it's, it's like syncing up uh, Wizard of Oz yeah, exactly. and Dark Side of the Moon. Exactly. So I was like, all right, that's nice. kind of that's kind of cool. That that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. Okay. Now that we got we kind of got that out of the way, um, I, I want to say this also. I remember seeing the trailer for this movie in the summer of 2000. I don't remember in front of what other movie, but it was one of those things I already loved. You know, I've, I've loved Cameron Crowe, you know, for a long time, especially singles, you know, and then I, I liked Jerry Maguire as yeah. well. And I was like, okay, this guy, Cameron Crowe has always been really good at doing a needle drop in an out in a, in, a, in a movie yeah. where it's like, oh, that makes perfect sense here. You know that type of stuff. He does it in this multiple times, yeah. uh, most notably with Tiny Dancer. Well, it's um, it's it's not just a needle drop. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely placement in the movie mm-hmm. over you know the scene, right? But it's also how it's mixed into the scene, exactly. Because it's not like you've got movie and you have this song laid right, out over the right. top of it. It's like they fade the music up into the scene, right? And the scene, the music gets woven into Absolutely. the scene, and they Again, become one. The famous the on the bus with Tiny Dancer, yeah. You know where it's they're singing along to it, so yeah. it's one of those things like, oh, this isn't just being. This isn't just a a, a song that's this dropped into. It, it's into kind of the same. It's like no, they're listening to this on the bus. It, you it's know? kind of the same thing we talked about with Dazed and Confused. Yes, and that same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'll be honest, the soundtrack itself, I was a little disappointed with. I don't think I actually listened to the soundtrack. I mean, it's got, you know, like, you get, you know, of course, Tiny Dancer, and and you get the Fever Dog, the Stillwater song is on there. Um, uh, Tangerine is on there. Um, I I don't remember everything on top of my head. Like, I know they put... uh, I'm going to hop on uh, Spotify. What's the song, the the Allman Brothers track, the... What's it called? Is it, now there's a man down there. Might be your man. I don't know. Do, do. Oh, oh, no way out. Yeah, that's no a, way or, out. Or one way out. That's one, the name of it. There's yeah. only one way out. That's what it's way, one way out. That's on there. You know, there's there's some stuff like that. You know, uh, which is fine. But it, it's kind of like as a. I don't know. This soundtrack isn't quite as, as epic as the Days of Confused soundtrack for me. In for me, well, in the Days of Confused thing was. Wow, yeah, the most famous soundtrack is not on Spotify, Spotify so I'm going to have to hop somewhere else and find it. Yeah, um, you know the Days of View soundtrack was two disc, right, right. But even just the the first disc, yeah, is from beginning to end. There's not. I mean, it's like okay, this is this is an epic. You know, this one kind of felt a little spotty to me. Uh, you know, like oh, you get these highs and then you have these other songs. Like uh, you know, to me anyway. Um, obviously, the, the 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 two standouts being Tiny Dancer and Fever Dog. I mean that there was no two ways around that. Yeah. And we're going to talk about Fever Dog here in a minute when we get into it. Here we it. go. Um, America from Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. Great Spark, song. Love Sparks from the Who. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't have made any difference. Todd Rundgren. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen all good people. Yes. Which okay. I love. Yes. I know you like them. Yeah. Uh, Beach Boys. Feel yes. flows. Fever Dog. Yeah. Every picture tells a story. Rod Stewart, right. Mr. Farmer, The Seeds, uh, One Way Out, Live at the Fillmore, right. Allman Brothers, uh, Simple Man, Leonard Skinner, That's the Way, Zeppelin, Tiny Dancer, Elton John, uh, Lucky Trumbull, which is Nancy Wilson and her right. her band, because right. Nancy Wilson was actually the music director right. for well, the she's film. She's married to Cameron Crowe, so it's that's she's been the music director on all of his stuff. Waiting so. for the Man, Bowie, right? Uh, the Wind, Cat Stevens. Uh, slip away, Clarence Carter, and Thunderclap Newman, something in the air. Yeah, 
So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a bad soundtrack. It's just not what I would, was expecting, let's put it that way. Actually, um, this is a pretty good soundtrack. It's just that the songs are for me are in the wrong order. It could be the could the be feel. I think the they're feel kind from of song to song. I they th- tried to go in order of I think how that's they how appeared the appearance. In the movie. I think that's yeah. a little more of what it is. Um, okay, let's get into the movie. Yeah. So uh, what we know about this is that you know Cameron Crowe, quite literally, when he was 15 years old, went on the road with several bands reporting for. Uh, Rolling Stone magazine. Yeah. I mean, he 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 legitimately did that. So this is loosely based on his life, uh, you know, being that age. Um, the the character of of um, Penny Lane is based off of two real groupies, yeah. not Band Aids groupies. <laughs> one of them being Pamela DeBars, who was one of the most famous groupers groupies ever. I mean, she was involved with Jimmy Page and, and yeah. everybody. I mean, uh, Alice Cooper and, I mean, just everybody from that era. And uh, and she has even had not great things to say about the character of Penny Lane in this. Um, <laughs> but the other one Imagine was... Imagine that. Yeah. But the other one was a woman who went by the moniker of Penny Lane. Okay. Um, said, um, but the thing is, is that neither one of them... This character is not directly either one of them. It's kind of a, an amalgamation of the both with sure. some other stuff thrown in. Okay, so we we, we learned about William Miller yep. in the very beginning. He's little. He's 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 when we first meet him, he is he's a genius. He's he's a genius. He's uh, he's been he was skipped ahead in cl- he thinks he was skipped ahead one grade. Come to find out, his mom actually put him ahead two years. Yeah, and. And did not tell him how how old he really is, so he thinks he's a year older than he actually is. Two years older. No, he's a year older. Is than, a year yeah, older? he's he's a year older I'm than he thinks it was he like is. Two years no. older. Which means that he's that he was actually skipped ahead two grades yeah. in school, and um, she hasn't told him. Now the his older sister, which this is not the first thing that Zoe Deschanel was in, but this was <laughs> like one of the first times we saw her in yeah. something. This is before she became Zoe Deschanel. You know. Yeah. Uh, and she is wonderful in this movie, what yeah, little she she's is. in. Cameron Crowe has said that part of writing this movie was trying to, for himself, reconcile the relationship that his mom and his sister had because they kind of had this yeah. same dynamic of couldn't get along for more than, you know, for long periods of time, yes. you know, and, and his sister wanting to be able to go out and do stuff and, and the mom trying to, like, hold her back you and know shelter her and, yeah and, you know and uh, so yeah it, it's <laughs> we're going we're going to something else okay we'll, we'll do it in a minute but <laughs> this is i'm sorry that there's you, so much going? going there's so much going on in this movie uh, um i want to do this before we get too far before in okay we are going to I'm not sure where he's going yet. Yeah, well, it's something that you and I have have spoken about off mic before. Okay. Um. All right. The people, the actors that are in this movie. Okay, we're going over cast because because you know it's one of those things. Obviously, again, this was not her first role. This was actually like her third or fourth role. But yeah. this was the thing that that made Kate Hudson Kate Hudson. Yes. Okay. This was. This was the oh, she's got a career now. Yeah, you can say what you want to about everything after this, but you know, obviously Frances McDormand, who had already won an Oscar prior to this. Yes, uh, Billy Crudup, who yep. 
plays is Russell. Wonderful as Russell as Russell Hammond in this movie, Absolutely. but he really has not done anything since then that is that has lived up to this at all. No, the, probably all. the biggest role that he had after this was as Doctor Manhattan in yes. um, in the Watchmen. The Watchmen, yeah. And you only see his actual face in like two scenes or something. The rest of it, he's just CGI blue with a big penis. <laughs> wow, that took a left turn. That's that's not where now, I saw this but, going. But that's but that's what you get in that movie. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Fugit plays William Miller. Jason Lee. Okay, hold on. But Patrick Fugit again did I I know him from one other movie after this and that was Saved. And I don't know if you've ever seen that I've movie never, or not. It's a good movie. It might be something we that. look at later. All right. But that's the only other movie I remember him being in after this of of note. Uh yeah, Jason Lee, of course he had been in all the Kevin Smith stuff yep. prior to this. Since then he's gone on and he did the 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 um he was in My Name is Earl, which I love that yeah. show. That's a great and show. And he did Two really successful Alvin and the Chipmunks movies, yes. and one that didn't do so well, but it's still kind of one of those wow, you know. Uh, like I said, jo- Zoe Deschanel. Yep. Anna Paquin. Anna Paquin. This was right after X Men had yes. come out. Like it had come out a couple months earlier. This is pre. Um, um, of course, you know, she had an, an Oscar already. You know, she won an Oscar when she was like 11 years old. Oh, for, for Fly um, Away Home. Yes. And um, was it Fly Away Home or was it? No, it was the piano. She won it for Are the you piano. Sure I think so. I think so. I was thinking it was Fly Away Home, Is but you, Fly Away Home? you may be right. She had an Oscar at a very young age. Let's put it that way. Bruce um, Balk. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We'll look it up here. Yeah, it was in the piano. Okay. Yeah, she won Best Supporting Role. I was mistaken. Yeah, that's what I. I think she was actually nominated for Fly Away Home also. Uh, but yeah, she won that for the piano. Faruza Balk, yep. who previously to this was known for um, uh, the craft, and then Billy Madison, yes. or not Billy Madison, uh, Water, Water Boy. Boy, you know, and she'd been in a few other things as yep. well. But this again, you know, um, she plays she plays really awesome off kilter characters. Yeah, yeah, she's good at that. Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes, before he was Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes, and yes. this again. He was nominated for an Oscar for this Best Supporting as Actor Lester as, Bangs. as Lester Bangs, and he was wonderful in this movie. I, I feel like a piece of that character lives within me. Oh, I know, I know. Jimmy Fallon yeah. is in this movie. Again, he was on SNL, but he had not been on very long and at this you, point. You will not recognize no, him no. as Jimmy Fallon. In fact, you won't even recognize his voice right. except in like a couple places. Uh, Bijou Phillips, who, you know, she's been around yeah. here and there. She's one of... Um, um, uh, China. She's China Phillips's sister. Uh, she's one of that that ilk of she, the, the mamas and the papas. Yeah. you know, uh, offspring. Uh, let's see. Now, the funny thing is when you get into some people who are in this movie that you've seen in a lot of other stuff since then. Um, Rain Wilson. Yep. It plays. He plays David Felton. He's he's at the offices. He you know he's one of the Rolling Stone, the Rolling Stone guys. Yep. Um, hold on, hold on. Let me. Uh, Jay Barishaw is in this. He's, yes. he's the, the he's the Led Zeppelin fan. Of course, you know he freaks. Or he was in um, Undeclared, and then he was in um, She's Out of My League, and This Is the End. He was also in uh, Inglorious Bastards. Yes. And uh, oh, he was in Tropic Thunder also. Oh, I forgot yeah. about that. So, yeah. Here's one for you, Polly Parrot. You know who she is? Yeah, I know who she is, but that's I think that's the first time I've ever heard her. It's, I think it's is it Perret or something? It's P E R R E T T E, Perret, Perret, Polly, Polly Perret. 
Because Anyways, I, I have a yeah. total crush on her yeah, character, she's Abby, Abby, from on, NCIS. Yeah. She was also on um, the Drew Carey show. Yes. She played one of his girlfriends. Uh, Peter Frampton. Yes, he played, played one of the road managers. He plays the road manager for Humble Pie, which is a band he was in yes. back in the day, which I thought was really great. What I love is the Eagles road manager. Mm. That's Mitch Hedberg. Yes, it is. It is Mitch Hedberg. Also, Road Dog. The legendary road dog, you know, yeah. the redheaded guy. That's Zach Ward. You know who he is? Zach Ward. He's been in a ton of stuff. Here's the thing he's probably probably best known for. Zach Ward. He was Scott Farkas in A Christmas Story. <laughs> he's been in a ton of stuff since then. Like he, He's one of those dudes that, like, he's, he has been a working actor for years and years yeah. and years. Yeah, but yeah, that yeah. is, I always love to say that, yeah, that's Scott Farkas, okay? Um, let's see. Uh, Pete Droge is yes. in here. Um... Here's one, and of course this happened years later. Eric Stone Street. He has one memorable role. He plays the desk clerk that when William's mom calls, like, yeah, your mom kind of freaked yes. me out. Okay, that is Cam from Modern Family. <laughs> okay, you're this right. is like way before yeah, all of that. Right. Okay, you're right. Uh, Mark Marin. Yes, is in it. He was. He's the close the close the gate. He's the the when when Russell gets um, electrocuted. electrocuted. And Do you boys want to buy a gate? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's one of those. I mean, let me see who else we got here. If I it's kind of like dazed and confused. It, it is. It's, you go through and you're you've like, got a bunch of folks that are right on the edge of really doing something. Oh, hey, Kevin Sussman is in this. He played um, um, Stewart on uh, Big Bang Theory. Yes, he was in this. Uh, see again, I didn't even realize that one. So, uh, so yeah, it's one of those. Who, there's who a lot he, of who did he play? I forget. Uh, uh, you know, I just he, I, it's a it's a minor role. Let's see, what, what was it? Uh, Lenny? Lenny. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, let me see if there's anybody here else that I recognize. I think that's about it. But it's kind of cool that you know, you, again, you see these. Um. Oh, Nick Swardson. Was uh, he played the uh, he was the the guy that Bowie and we yeah. throwing it and you know you know who that is right? Uh, he's but dude he's one of those I hey, feel like I should he's one of those hey it's that guy uh, people oh it's yeah, that guy yeah yeah <laughs> Nick Swardson he he's been in all kind of um, character actor yeah I mean just all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anything here that just really jumps out on his IMDb. And anyway, go and look him up, Nick Swardson. Uh, and I don't see anyone else here that, that his really... His major role is, hey, it's that guy. Yeah, exactly. Hey, hey, it's that guy gets paid just as well as yeah. a name. I mean, not as well, but gets paid so it's <laughs> and works for More a long time. More than me. All right, so now that we are over 20 minutes into this movie and not really talked about the movie itself that much. Yeah, we did a little bit. A little bit. So, anyways, William finds out that uh, he's younger than he's supposed to be, and then we skip it. And then his well, sister... All, all the kids at school are picking on him. Right, And right. in the bootleg version, there's a scene that was not in the theatrical cut. Right. Where, there's a couple of scenes in that Yeah, in that but hole. the one that stuck out that would have made the theatrical a when little bit more... When they're in the showers, more, yeah. When they were in the shower, like, hey, where's your pubes, like, man? Yeah, and it's like, oh, I shaved them, you know? And they're like, uh, how old are you anyway? Yeah, you know, they're it's, like totally picking on yeah. them. It's like, oh, pubes thinks he's funny. Yeah. Um, 
But we skip ahead till he to he's fifteen years old. He's well, about to graduate high school. His sister flips out. Oh yeah, she leaves. Leaves home with the boyfriend for right. California. She's going to She'll go be, be a, a flight attendant, stewardess. Yeah. No, stewardess. Stewardess back then. Stewardess. And it is if you notice at the end when we come back and meet her, she is with she is flying for uh, Pan Am. Yes. So it's that whole and Pan Am was notorious for the the stewardess of uh, the uh, what do they call it? It was the uh, uh, what do they call it? They actually had a term for it, like they there was there was a certain look that they had. Yes. They, they couldn't be over a certain weight. They had to be a certain height, yeah. you know, and all that kind of stuff. Stuff they wouldn't had to fly their, today, you know. It was a uh, you know um, their their dress code and standards yes, type yes, thing. Yeah, those little those little short those mini mini dresses, the, you the know, the blue high high yeah. leather boots, yeah, and the, the mini the, dresses, the, the blue mini mini dresses, yeah. and the hat, little pillbox hats, and you know, it's yeah, you know, back when everybody dressed up to fly. Mm-hmm. And it was a luxury. Yeah, I know. Now I'm just like, dude, give me some sweatpants and a tank top. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I would be willing to dress up if they'd just give me some leg and well, hip. Well, yeah, there's that too. Uh, so anyway, the so she takes off, but she leaves William her record collection. Yeah, she goes, look under your bed. It'll change right, your life. Right, and so he starts listening to The Who. That was the, he, she, he puts on Tommy. Well, she left She, she left, left him a, a bunch of, yeah. She said, left you know, listen, listen to this. Listen to... That's the who. He says, listen, listen to, to Tommy burning a candle and you'll, you'll see, see your future. future. Right. Yeah. So so anyway, so... Real hippie. He's at school. Crap. He's at school. People don't like him at school because he's younger and, yeah. you know, he's an outcast at school. And so it's one of those things that he finds out that Lester Bangs is in town. And so he goes down to the and, radio and station. And he's been writing music reviews for... And sending them to Kerrang! Magazine. Yeah, I know. Or is it Cream Mag... It's, which one is Kerrang! is what he... No, well, he wrote for Kerrang! It's Kerrang! Magazine. I'm sorry. That's but he right. was doing it for a lot of um, local pubs right, and right, zines and right. stuff. Right, but, but he, he was sending also stuff sending, to Lester Bangs. Yeah, to so, Lester Bangs. And so that's when he introduces himself. He's like, oh, yeah, you're the kid that's been sending me those these yeah. reviews. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman is amazing so good in this role of lester bangs and also now granted it is it lester bangs was a maniac okay yes if, no ifs ands buts about it this is still a, a hyper stylized version of that maniac yeah um that he's doing but it's great because he has some of the best lines in the movie no he has all the best <laughs> lines in this movie uh, don't not even all of them but he has he has the, he has some of the best lines 90 okay? percent of the best lines right. in this movie are spoken by right. philip seymour he and I'm, and I'm going to drop different things in here because it is one of those things that some some pearls of wisdom, quite honestly. And I mean, it's almost a one of his lines is almost a quote from my life. Well, of no. course I'm home. I'm not cool. I know it's exactly. Oh man, you made friends with them. See, friendship is the booze they feed you. They want you to get drunk and feeling like you belong. Well, it was fun because they make you feel cool. Hey, I met you. You are not cool. I know. Even when I thought I was, I knew I wasn't. Yeah, because we are uncool. You know, while women will always be a problem for guys like us, most of the great art in the world is about that very problem. Good-looking people, they got no spine. Their art never lasts. Now they get the girls. But we're smarter. Yeah, I can really see that now. Because great art is about uh, guilt and longing and, you know, love disguises sex and sex disguises love. 
hey, let's face it. Yeah, you got a big head start. I'm glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm uncool. Me too. Uh, my, my favorite of all those that are in, well, he had the, the, the two favorites. One of them is, is his line about the doors. Yes. Which I'm going to drop in here. You see, this, this is fatuous, pseudo blubber. You know, I mean, which is fine, but voiced it off his art, you know, or the doors. Uh, Jim Morrison? He's a drunken buffoon, posing as a poet. I like the doors. Ah, give me the guess who. Come on, they got the courage to be drunken buffoons, which makes them poetic. And the other one is um, when he asks William, is like, oh, you know, you must be star of your your school or like no they all hate me and he says oh don't worry you'll meet all of them in that slow ride back to the middle yes <laughs> so you're the kid who's been sending me those articles from the school newspaper yeah yeah i've been doing some stuff for a local underground paper also hey, what do you like the star of your school they hate me yeah well you'll meet them all again on their long journey to the middle it's like, wow, yeah, that yep. is kind of what life is. It's all a slow ride back to the middle. It's <laughs> At school reunions. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but he, you know, it's one of those things. He befriends him. He says, okay, give me, a, you know, write me a, a thousand words on... Ozzy, uh, Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath, that's right. So that's where, so Sabbath is coming to town. Yep. He goes to the to the show. They won't let him in because he's not on the list. And he's told to go stand back up at the top of the ramp with the rest of the girls. Yeah. And so he goes back up there, and that's when he meets the Band-Aids, and most notably, Miss Penny Lane. Miss Penny Lane. And it, this whole, from here, this next 20 minutes of movie is, is where just he gets seduced wonderful. into yes. the world of rock and yes. roll. Yes, yes. And it, here's one of the things we're, we're, we're going to talk about a couple of things specifically in this. You know, he finally does, you know, he's standing there. He, he still can't get in. He didn't even get in with the girls. Like they said, they were going to bring him with him. Yeah. And then he would, the, the, the guy, the doorman wouldn't let him in. And then still water pulls up because they're the opening act. Yep. And they're running late and they're trying to get in and he's trying to talk to them and they're like, oh, you're the enemy. He's, he's trying to walk, yeah. talk his way in. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I write for Cream Magazine. They're like, oh, you're the enemy. You know, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, we make, we make music for the fans. We don't make them for, you know, critics and stuff but yeah. then he like starts massaging their egos you know about you know oh russell you know you're, you're he's incendiary. incendiary you know <laughs> incendiary right and he starts to walk away and jeff BB, whatever guys jason thanks. lee is like hey no no tell us more hey i'm incendiary too you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and so they bring him inside yep which which and then what's funny is in the the rustle of getting everybody in the door mm -hmm. they managed to kick the doorman Man out, out and lock him out of the concert <laughs> venue i know it's, it's funny um so when he's back in the dressing room he's asking yeah. them questions You're like you know what do you love about music and this and that and of course you know Jeff, being the front man, is kind of you know talking about oh you know you know that's great and then and the chicks are cool it's, and the blah blah blah. It's definitely about the music. It's right. about the lyrics, but the chicks are cool too, yeah, man. Exactly. And let me tell you about the chicks, yeah. man. You know that kind of stuff. But what a scene that, of course, I it didn't make the theatrical version. I had seen it because of of um, uh, the, the the special features. They sure. added it back in here, which I love. When they're when they're walking to the stage and they're they're getting ready to like go up like to, to wait yeah. to go on, Russell pulls William aside and he's like, "Hey man, he's like, you really want to know about music?" He's like, "Okay," he says, "Music 
and I'm going to drop it in here because I'm going to get it wrong. I'm going to get yeah. the whole thing wrong. But he basically says, music isn't about what's in there. It's what's not in there. Yeah. And the things that you remember. And he tells this little anecdote about it's Marvin Gaye. It's not the Gay. stuff you put in there. Right. It's the stuff you leave out. Exactly. And he tells this little anecdote about this this, this one little woo woo that's in Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. Yeah. You know? That's per- no, that's right. As someone, yeah. as both of us being people who play music, I don't call myself a musician. I just say I play music. Yeah. But it's one of those things I do. I notice stuff like that. I always have since I was when I really got seduced by music when I was like nine years old. I would notice little stuff like that that other people wouldn't. Yeah. And um, here's where the bootleg version. They added that in, but they took a scene out right here. And this is the one I was telling you about. See, I, I think I missed it. Okay. In the theatrical version, they're getting ready to go on stage, and they have this ritual that they do where they all get around in a huddle, yeah. and they sing this song about a piggyback ride or yeah. whatever. Well, in the theatrical version, they pull William in with them. Yes, they're like, they hey, do. bring the enemy in, you know, and they're, and they're singing the song or whatever, and then they go out on the stage. It's not in the bootleg version. Oh, you're right. That that scene was right. was out of there. I was like, that's an auto mission because I think that's that was actually them really like this that was the final like, no, he's one of us now, you know, like really seducing him into this cult. Yeah. <laughs> uh and then from there they go out on stage. I have said since day one, this scene of them going on stage and playing Fever Dog. Yes may be the best representation of a live music experience I have ever seen on film. Ever. Ever. And, and, and it's, I mean, not, it's ever. not just this one. It's it's every time they get on stage, right. they capture sonically yes. the yes. feel, the energy. Absolutely. The, and it, the, the sound of the auditorium and what, and, with the reverb. Right. And what's so cool is that like there's a there's a scene where like you know like the, well, during this scene. Yeah. He's starting to write stuff down, and, and him and Penny are standing over on the side, and she grabs his pen, and, and she's like, no. And she says no and takes the, the pencil away from him. Yeah. And the way that they, they mix that sound, it sounds like she's saying it loud enough to where you'd be able to hear it over the concert to, to somebody, yeah. but it's still back in... We've but, all been to concerts it, and tried to talk so, to the person next yeah. to us, and like you have to elevate your voice, like your 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 vocals, your voice, to be able to to, to say something to the but person it, next to you. You still can't hardly understand exactly. What, yeah, and they no. did such a wonderful sound of of mixing that yes, sonically, absolutely. And uh, it just, yeah, I I, I that for me it was the drums, yes, because yes, the drums kick yes, in first, yes, and I was like. Ju- Holy crap! I mean, talk and about capturing I mean, the sound it, of a room yes. and making the the drums sound like they. Not do. only that, but even in the visuals of the the lights off and yeah. then they come up and you see the crowd. But you only see like the first five rows, or six rows. I know, rows. and obviously they did that because they only had the first five yeah. or six rows. But it's still one of those things where like they did a wonderful the lighting, the smoke everything in the room. felt like you were at a concert. Yeah, I mean, it just they did. They did a wonderful job capturing that yes, in this absolutely. scene. Absolutely, and um, you know, I like you. I know, and like I said, we could probably do a whole podcast just about that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, and just talk for you know an hour about the way they did a lot of this yeah. stuff. But it goes on. I mean, we're not going to go into the entire movie because if you if you have seen it, you know it. If you haven't seen the movie, 
You need to watch the theatrical first. Yeah. Because you will enjoy the bootleg better. I'll tell you one thing about... Miss Nay had not seen the original theatrical. Oh, really? And she enjoyed this one, but now I've got to go back and make her watch the other one. Well, you know, the the thing about it is that, you know, like I said, they they added more stuff back into it. One of the things they added in, when they they go to the the, Riot House, the the, the International Hyatt House in L.A., which most no, you know... Was known as the the Riot House because of all the bands that would stay there. Is that and the one that was just like right on the river? No, no. You're thinking about you're, you're talking about the Mud Shark incident, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 That was in that was actually I think that was in San Francisco or yeah. Seattle or something Seattle, or somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and yeah, that, that <laughs> go go and look up the Mud Shark incident in Led Zeppelin, and we're not going to talk about it here, but. Um, uh, um, one of the things that they added into the movie that I didn't think that we needed so much, but after seeing the bootleg version, I'm like, wow, that I like that they added that back in. Is that there's all these little scenes between William and Palexia, yes. uh, which is Anna Paquin's character, that you start seeing that she actually has a crush on him. There, there's a triangle going. On. Yeah, and it's one of those things because, like, the, like when they go to the to the riot house, you you do get that scene in the movie where, like, you see her standing in behind him. Yeah, and they, it's kind of like they focus in on her and they come back to him, and then she walks up and starts telling because, like, Penny has walked in and she's making the spectacle that yeah. she does, you know, doing her her host her stewardess, yes. you know, spill and everything, yeah. and. And she's narrating what's yes, going on between her and, and, and Russell. Basically, you know? Penny's chasing Russell. Right, and he's Russell's, very interested as Russell's well. Russell's chasing Penny, kind of. Oh, he is. William is chasing Penny. Absolutely. And Alexia is chasing William. Yes. But the thing is, is in the theatrical version, you don't really get that no, about you her. You get little... Bits, Nug- and bits and pieces of it, and where it, where it all nugget. comes, yeah. But where it comes yeah. down in in the bootleg version is when basically you know they get to New York, yeah. And you know it's one of those things where all the the girlfriends and wives show up, and they have to get rid of the groupies, you know. Yes. And she's there at the at, but she's there with a different band, you know, because uh, humble pie. She, yeah, she's with humble the, pie. The right. band aids got. They were traded for fifty bucks and a, a case, case of, of Heineken, Heineken yeah. from Stillwater to, to Humble, Humble Pie. Pie. Well, they were lost in a in poker a, game, in a in, poker yeah. game, yeah. Um, but it was one of those things. But they wanted them off the tour because they had because yeah. they knew when they got to New York they couldn't be there. So she's there, you know. She she comes up to him and they're talking and all that kind of stuff. And she's like, "Yeah, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm leaving with Humble Pie in an hour, you know, and blah blah blah, and all that kind of stuff." And it's one of those things where she grabs him and kisses him on the cheek. And then she there's this there's this moment where she just stands there and looks at him for a second, and then she goes and she leaves, and he's just sitting there looking at her, and she turns around and waves bye to him, and it's one of those like oh that's what's been going on this entire time, like she was because you know it's one of those things that he winds up losing his virginity to three groupies, you know, and she's one of them, yeah, you know, but she was the one who instigated it. Uh, no, she, actually, it was. Um, it was Farooza Bach's character. Are you sure? Yeah, it was. So she was like, yeah, it she was, the one who it said was Sapphire. Let's... She's like, let's deflower the kid, you know? Yeah, okay. And, and, you know, that type of stuff. But it's one of those things that, like, the next, even in that scene, like, the next morning, you know, he's walking, he's trying to get his, his interview with Russell, and he walks 
down the hallway and the door to one of the hotel rooms with their, their tour manager. Yeah. And she's in there, you know, and it's one of those things where he like, he kind of looks at her and, and she waves or whatever. And then they close the door type thing. So it's like, okay. You know, it's just yeah. like, <laughs> it's not my world, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is one of those, um, it's such a good movie, man. You need to see it. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else like really big that that, that they add into this uh, on the bootleg cut because we need to talk about the, the a scene, couple other things. The scene that caught me that was the extra was where he goes and he bangs on the door of Russell's hotel room right. trying to get the interview and he's like, go away, go away. And he ends up sitting in a seat across the hall right. he's from his crying. door. He starts crying, right. but eventually he falls asleep right. in the chair. That's true because we don't see him fall asleep and then wake up. Later, yeah, he in falls the asleep. One. Yeah, in the and then it just cuts to another scene. Right in this one, Penny Lane and Russell wake him up. Right, that's right, and convince him to come on to Cleveland. Right, right, that's where right. he was not. He throws that's a fit. He wasn't going to go. Right, because he promised his mom he would be back before graduation. Right, which spoiler, he winds up not making it for graduation. Yeah, um, honestly, in my opinion, he he chose well. Uh, <laughs> my my favorite scene. Mm-hmm. In the whole movie, and and it's it's a small scene. They're on the bus, uh-huh. and he's talking to she. He, Penny Lane sees he's upset. She goes back and she's talking to him, right? And he's like, "I got to get my interview with Russell, right? I've got to go home." Mm-hmm. And she like, looks and she looks at him, and she does that finger thing in his face, and she's like, "You are." Well, home. that's it. That's at the very end of the tiny dancer scene. Yeah, where they're sitting there, and that's when he he looks at her and says, "I got to go home," and she's like, "You are home." Yeah, you know. The scene that you're talking about, though, where she goes back there and she's like, come to Cleveland. Yeah. I'll introduce you to Bowie's uh, um, bodyguard. You know, he's yeah. a friend, you know, that kind of stuff. And he asked her, he says something about, like, are you, don't Do you, you have, have any, any normal, normal friends? friends? Yeah, and, and she was like, why Why would I want to be normal, you know? And yeah. it's, it's like, or she's like, no, famous people are, are just more interesting or something like yeah. that, you know? Um, there's a but, lot of that, that type of but stuff. But that whole thing where she just looks at him. It was like you are home, right? Yeah. What are you and doing that, again? Because we're going to talk about this scene. That is the 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 famous tiny dancer scene. Yeah. You know, because it's one of those things that they they got into a fight after a show. Yes. And Russell over a t shirt. Over a t shirt. Yeah. That, that that prominently had Russell and not the rest of the band on it. You yeah. Know? And so that, and it's one of those things you're, you're you're slowly learning that there are tensions inside the band. Yes. Uh, of, of creative differences and stuff. Because you know? Russell has evidently. Surpassed the band. Yeah, and he even said that at one point, like off the record of, hey, you know, I can't play everything that I would with these guys, but they're friends and we all have, you know, mortgages and this and that. The two main talkers are Jeff and Russell. Right. The bass player does talk, but when he talks, he's a complete idiot. And the drummer only Never. says two words the entire movie. Uh, He says two words the entire movie. That's true. That, eh. That's right, because even in, in the scene they added in where he's doing the interview yep. with him, he's just kind of nodding, and he's, he's like twirling his drumsticks yep. or whatever, you know, and it's like, yeah, that's true. That's, yeah, and the bass player only, from time to time, you get something from him. And he, he's a moron. What's really funny, though, is that those two guys were not actors. The, him, the, the, the drummer and the, and the bass player, they were actual musicians yeah. that, like, they pulled in, like, hey, we need, you know, whatever, and I think they were, like, friends of, of uh, Cameron Crowe. He was like, yeah. no, no, bring those guys in. They'll, you know... Hey, we don't need you to say anything. We just need you to, yeah. you know, type stuff. And then his re- his revelation is pretty funny. So yeah. it's, 
yeah, you gotta you gotta watch for the two words from yeah, the drummer. Exactly. It's, it's kind of, he's kind of the silent Bob of this of this entire thing. Oh, he's totally know? the yeah. silent. He kind of looks like silent he, Bob. He actually does. Yeah. Um, the um, sorry. The he, it's really what, what was that? The, the, the tiny dance. Okay, so like they, they got into a fight, and so yeah. Russell la- leaves the venue. And they're walking around. Him and William are walking around. And yeah. this kid, and I say kid because he's like a 16-year-old kid, yeah. pulls up in a van. He's like, hey, man, you're Russell from uh, Stillwater. And he's like, we're having a party at my house. You want to come? And he's like, yes, yes, I do. Yes. You know. And so he winds up, and that's the I'm a golden god well, that people have parodied so he, much he over starts, the years. He starts drinking something. And he's like, hey, there's acid in the red cups. He's like, ah. <laughs> yeah. No, don't drink the beer with the acid. Yeah, exactly. And then it goes, it goes from there. Yeah. But that's the whole thing is that William calls the next morning. Morning's like, look, this is where we are. They show up, and yep. um, what is the man, the road manager's name? Uh, I can't believe I can't remember his name off the top of my head. It kills me. Um, I just had it. I can't believe I've already is lost it, it. Is it Dick? Is that yes, his name? It's, it's Dick. Dick. That's right. It's Dick. Um, and he's like, you know, he's like, Dick comes in, try to get him. Yeah. You know, he's like, come on. You know, <laughs> another funny scene. He's he's trying to get him to come, and they were walking. And he looks at William, and he's like, "Look at him. He's taking notes with his eye, with his eyes. You know, he's like, um, you know, he's always he's always taking notes, you know, kind of stuff. And he's yeah. like, what are you doing? He kind of you know attacks it, whatever. And Dick pulls him off. He's like, come on, let's go, let's go. And he turns around and he goes, don't worry. He only means like half of what he's saying. And he's yeah. like, which half? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but this is where they go and they get back on the bus. And this is the tiny dancer scene yes. where they, you know, there nobody's talking to anybody. It's all quiet, and the song there's an awkward silence. Yeah, going and the on. song starts playing, and you know, I think the bass player is the first one to start singing along, and drummers then, playing, and the drummers kind of talking about, and then Jeff, you know, Jason Lee, he he sings a little bit, and they all start singing, and it's one of those like, okay, we're all good again, yeah. you know, tight. This movie is what brought that song back into prominence. Yes, it is. We can blame this movie for all the bad covers of that song that have happened in the last 20 years, including, oh, you know which one I'm talking about. One of the worst covers I've ever heard of this song. Do I? Or have yes, I pushed it out do. of my memory because it was so bad? No, it's uh, uh, Tim McGraw. Oh, my God. Yeah, see, you know oh, what I'm talking about. Inflict that pain on yeah. me again, why don't you? But that was, this song became every, I mean, God, you couldn't go to a karaoke, any place at a karaoke for years afterwards. I'll admit, I think I tried it once. I've done it once. I once. was like, no, I'm I not was, doing yeah. it. That song. It's a lot tougher than you think it is. It, it goes up into a higher range that you're not yep. expecting. Especially on the on the chorus, yeah. Um, but it's such a beautiful song. Of course, the other probably the, the, the last time that this song was really brought into pop culture relevance was in the mid '90s um, on an episode of Friends. And Phoebe was talking about they were talking about something or whatever, and she's like, "Yeah, you know, I always loved that song that uh, Elton John wrote about Tony Danza." Oh. <laughs> you're like, "What?" You're like, "Hold, Hold me, me closer, closer, Tony, Tony Danza." Danza. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, that type of stuff. But it's like, okay, cool. Honestly, um, I liked the scene that it was in in Rocket Man. Have you seen Rocket Man? I have seen Rocket Man, yeah. That's, uh, now, of course, that's that was last year. You yeah. Know, now, that movie 
Rocket Man's a good movie. It is. Now, Elton John will tell you straight up, it's not true to life. It's by a any fictional. Straight, yeah, it's, 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 it is a fairy tale, is yeah. what he called it. He said it's a rock and roll fairy tale. And I love that they did it that way. Yeah. I mean, really and truly, how else do you tell an Elton John story without it being over the top? Yes. I mean, that that just... And the, the dude that played him... You're talking <laughs> about um, Taron... Yes. Um, uh, um, uh, Egerton? Yes. Every, yeah. It was in um, the, he was, the Kingsman. Yeah, Kingsman. Which Kingsman, is where they Golden met. Star, yeah. Because Elton John's in that. Well, it was and, because of Golden Circle, which right, was the second Kingsman right. movie and that, that came was, out. And Elton John was like, I want him. He picked him out like, he's going to play me. Well, <laughs> Elton John is hysterical in yeah, a Golden Circle. That's yeah. Elton John is one of those people like, I, I will... You know he he did his you know his farewell tour yeah you know last year or like he he wrapped it up last year, um, and he is on that list of I never got to see him yeah and I hate that but he and he did come through Nashville twice but on that tour but the were, tickets were like four hundred dollars oh. no not not scout no to actually buy tickets were four hundred dollars in the nosebleed in the section nosebleed, and I was like yeah. I can't do this this is I, I would love to see Elton that's John. a car payment yeah it's yeah. And I was like, that, that's twice my car payment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... Well, I made yeah, a car payment for a normal person. Else in Nashville, I know. It's yeah. a, but it was just one of those things where I was like, you've got to be kidding me, you know? So, all right. So, I well, guess I'm never going to see Elton John. That's half the reason I quit going to concerts and so going to see shows I know, is because I, I can't afford them. You know, when we when Starwood Especially was still the open. Especially the big ones, you know. You know, when Starwood was still open, and you could go see all the big acts for like 15 buck grass yeah. seats. Yeah, and you know the thing is we have, you know, we have Ascend Amphitheater now. Yeah, but it ain't. And it's still, their grass seats are still like 50 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, and those are the cheapest ones. I've looked a couple of times at bands like, oh, well, I might, you know, get like seat seats, you know, for this. Yeah. And the the cheapest seats are like a hundred started a hundred dollars and they go up from there. And I'm yeah. like, this is we're getting ridiculous. I understand that prices go up, but this is but getting ridiculous. Cow, you know, on. it's uh, it's it really has gotten to the point with concerts where I have to really want to see somebody in order to yeah. to, to, to shell out the money. Um, so anyway, back to the movie. Um, where are we going to go from here? I mean, because it's one of those things that I don't want to just like go through the movie because there's so many things in this. Um, that we can talk about, like yeah. the characters. We haven't even really talked about Penny Lane. You know, it's the yeah, whole thing. Penny Lane. You know, it's she's a groupie. She's a band. What they called a band aid because you know she's the a we, in, we inspire she's the band. She's the one you know. who came up with the whole idea. Yeah, they go know, into this right. You know, and she's you know she's like no, we inspire the bands. You know, we do that kind of stuff. It's also one of those things that you know when we learn what her real name is finally yep. and. The other thing, and I'll be honest, this flew over my head the first time I saw it. Okay. But you go back and, you know, I went back and rewatched it when it hit DVD, and I was like, oh, man, I didn't realize how young she was. Yeah. She's 16. Yeah. And I'm like, that's creepy. <laughs> now, I know it's, you know, it, it, at, at the time, a 21-year-old um, um Hudson, uh, Kate yeah. Hudson, you know, but it's still one of those things where you think about it. It's like, this is a 16-year-old kid that's out on the road with these rock stars having sex with them and doing yep. drugs and all that kind of stuff. It's like, I know that stuff happened in the 60s and 70s, okay? Yeah. I've read the books. I know. I've heard Tamil DeBeer talk about it. You know, like, I know that Jimmy Page was involved with a girl that was 14 years old, yeah. you know, during the 70s, mm. which is just sick, you know? I yes. mean, it's just, I, I don't understand. I've never understood that. I, and, it's I mean, beyond me also. Personally, I've never been like, oh, yeah, the underage ones, they're the ones to go for, you know? I never have. Um, 
okay, a different time, whatever, you know. But it was still one of those things where it's like that's once you put that part aside, yeah, where, because it's at, no, I totally caught that because right. it was like, oh, I'm 18. That's funny. Me, me too. too. Okay. 17. Yeah, me too. Me too. And he says, okay, like, I'm 16. 16. He's like, me too. Isn't funny how the truth sounds different? I'm That's 15. what she said. And then he yeah. finally confesses up that he's only 15. She doesn't go any lower than 16. Yeah. So you know. Uh, you also know that she was partying with them the year prior, which means she was 15, 15. when she got involved with them. You with know? Russell. Yeah. And, uh, and Russell's obviously in his late 20s yeah. somewhere. That's a little creepy. I mean, well, it's more than a little creepy. No, it's, it's a lot creepy. It's a lot creepy when you get into that. Um, but you know, some of the Frances McDormand is a great, great in this movie. Now she was also nominated for yes. an Oscar. Kate Hudson, you know, was nominated, and they thought she was going to win the Oscar for this, and she wound up not. Yeah, it went. I forget who it went. I can't even tell you who it was that it went to. Uh, this movie. Does it really matter at this point? Right. No, it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. But this movie, oddly, did not win Best Picture in the year 2000. What did? Uh, I would have to look it up. I'm going to look it up. But it's one of those things. It did win Best Original Screenplay. And... Oh, crap. What else? It won... I think it won two Oscars, if I'm not mistaken. Um... But yeah, it was. But it was one of those things. Here we go. Uh, it won best writing screenplay. It was best original screenplay. It was nominated. Or let's see, Kate Hudson and Frances McDormand were both uh, nominated for best supporting actress. American Beauty. No, you were in the wrong year. You sure about yeah. that? Yeah, American Beauty came out in '99, so they won it in 2000. So it would be the 2001 Oscars. That's that's um, what it, I'm looking at the 2000 Oscars. And then it was nominated for best film editing, so it got four Oscar nominations. It lost out to Gladiator. No, it wasn't even nominated for best movie. Really? No, it only got four Oscar nominations. I just read them all to you right there. Philip Seymour Hoffman should have been should have been nominated. It should have been nominated for Best Movie. Um, I mean, it just... Uh, they Hell, they could have done Best Original Song for Fever Dog. I yeah. mean, that, you know... Uh, you know, it did... As far as the Golden Globes, though, uh, it did win Best Motion Picture, Comedy or Musical. Um, Kate Hudson did win Best Supporting Actress. Uh, and then it was nominated for... Uh, Frances McDormand uh, was nominated there also, and Cameron Crowe was nominated for Best uh, Screenplay. So it, you know, it did get Best Motion Picture, at least, you know, from the Golden Globes. But that's what kills me a lot of times. Whenever, yeah, Gladiator won that year. Yeah, I'm sorry, I don't care what anybody says. That movie is not good. I've never, never cared for that movie. Um, there's that, that. There's a whole lot of that also. And you go back through the Oscars and you look at what won, as opposed to what should have won yeah prime example i know we're getting off on a tangent prime example 1994 okay here we go do you know do you remember what won best picture for that year you're talking about the year after i graduated high school forrest forrest gump okay you know what else was nominated that year no pulp fiction okay shawshank redemption okay i mean either one of those were better movies than forrest gump 
I mean, no ifs, ands, buts about it. No, they are. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I like... Have you watched Forrest Gump lately? Yeah. That movie is terrible. No, I oh, like it's terrible. Gump. It is so it is so much baby boomer porn, it's not even funny. Well, I'm not gonna and deny that. It's just it's one of those things when you look back and like what else was nominated there? I'm because I wanna say there was more that was just like But like oh I've my actually God. been to Savannah on that square well, I have, where the I've been down there yeah. too, you know, but it's still one of those uh Let's see. Hold on. Uh, because it, it it's one of those things. You go back and you look at a lot of that stuff of like, you know, what was nominated and what won for any given year. And it's like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. Um, but then again, who really cares who's winning Oscars and Emmys and all well, that kind of crap? Well, it's true. I agree with that. Cause again, because when you get down years down the road, and you're like, I don't even remember what won that year. Yeah. You can remember what didn't win a lot of times, but it's just... Um, it's like also gotten so politicized. No, 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 no. Best, 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 best. Come on, best picture. Okay, this is in 1995, which was for the 94. Okay. Yeah. These these were the nominations: Forrest Gump, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Pulp Fiction, Quiz Show, and The Shawshank Redemption. I would have taken any of those over. No, there's only Forrest two. Gump. There's only two there that would be able to compete with Gump. That's Pulp Fiction and... Um, really? Did you ever see Quiz, Quiz Show? Yeah, I didn't like really? it. Really? And you didn't like Four Weddings and a Funeral? No, I know it's Four not... Four Weddings and a Funeral was okay. I like that movie. I, I, I like Hugh Grant, you know, and, and uh, Andy McDowell. But it's one of those things that... I Granted, just between Pulp Fiction and, and, and Shawshank... Shawshank it, it, it could have There's no to, way Forrest Gump should have won that. I'm sorry. You know, it's... I uh, mean, that's pretty close on those I, three. I... We will agree to disagree sure. on that. So, <laughs> I'm sure I could go back and find some more egregious stuff. That you, well, how about this? How about 1990? Do you know what won the best picture you for have 1990? A better memory. Well, than I'm, I do. I'm, yeah. Do you know what won the best picture for 1990? I don't have a clue. It was Dances with Wolves. It's a good movie. Do you know what was not? What was also was nominated that year? No. Goodfellas. It's a good movie. Should have won. I'm sorry that again. Well, what's funny again? Is, Thirty years later, what are we talking? Do we talk about Goodfellas? Or do we talk about Dances with Wolves? Well, it depends okay. on who you're talking yeah. to. But Goodfe- Goodfellas was just on television yeah. the other night, and yeah. I sat down and watched it. But it's funny that you like Goodfellas. I do like Goodfellas, and you enjoy that. But that's a Scorsese. I know, and it's right in vein with the rest of the gangster movies that you rail against. So I don't rail badly. against gangster movies so much. I just don't think that. The the Godfather movies are that good. Screw you. <laughs> and that's me. I'm going you know, to bring it up as that's often fine. as I can, just so I can look at you and go, screw you. Again, but that's that's me. Believe me, I like a lot of movies other people can't stand, okay? Well, that's Admittedly, the truth. okay? That's the truth. Everybody has their preference. It, it just, it's like I've said many times about yeah. The Godfather and um, Taxi Driver and a bunch of those 1970s movies, you know, um, um, Clockwork Orange and um, Clockwork Orange. Um, 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 what's the one? Um, I don't know. Yeah, you do. Give um, me some description. Vietnam movie. Um, the, the Deer Hunter and uh, but the other one, Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Okay. I don't care for any of those movies. Well, Apocalypse However, Now is a weird I know. movie. However, all of those movies inspired stuff that I truly do love. So I recognize it as this was this was the inspiration for what but I the, liked later. The the first movie that Lawrence Fishburne was in. I know it was Apocalypse Now. Yeah. I know. And but he had, you, but he had you to see lie about saying. his age to get You see into what the I'm film. saying there. Yeah. I, I say the same thing about the blues. I'm not a big blues fan. Oh. Okay. But hold on. Okay. 
So I've just turned his mic off but because this is getting. It's one of those things that I, I'm not a huge blues fan, but I love the music it inspired. Okay, I've said the same thing about the Watchmen, but the comic book, the Watchmen. I, I'm, I I don't care much for the comic book of Watchmen, but I love what it inspired. See, later, I think he's so. turning. He's starting to. Tr- he's trying to start a fight with me. <laughs> I'm tonight. not trying to start a fight. I'm just saying that's how I yeah. feel about the situations. Because um, I love the Godfather. I, I love know. the the Watchmen. The Alan. Moore Go back stuff. and listen to our overrated episode <laughs> back in January, <laughs> and you'll you'll hear a lot of this. Uh, a lot of Dave getting upset. So. <laughs> That, that almost caused a fight in the end of the podcast, that episode. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so uh, Almost Famous. I, I have, uh, 10 years ago, 10-ish years ago, a little over 10 years ago, it was, it was at, towards the end of 09. When you still had hair. No, well, I did still have some hair left, yeah. yeah. Um, I still have hair, just not on top. Not as much on top, anyway. Um, the Sorry, this is just me taking cheap shots at this about, point. At the end of 2009, I was still writing my blog, you know, and stuff. And, yes. And I did my top 100 movies of the, the 2000s, yeah. you know. And um, I did it over like a five. I did like 20, you know, per, you know. And I wrote a little something about each of, of yeah. the movies, you know. But it was one of those things that when I sat down to make that to make that list, I knew that Almost Famous was going to be number one. And then filling in everything else behind that. Sure. You know, uh, I still feel that way. I know there are some people who have soured on this movie over the years. It was not a success. Like, it lost money. Yeah, it did. I mean, it's kind of one of those, again, kind of like Fight Club yep. we talked about that did not, was not a success at the box it's office. A cult classic. But type found thing. it's, once it hits, once it hit home or DVD, it was like, oh, home rental. this is a huge thing all of a sudden. And uh, you know, and it it's is one of those funny things. How a lot of movies like that that did not do well know, in the theater I once know. it hit home rental, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, that that movie you can almost honestly, I don't even think it was home rental that did Shawshank Redemption. You know what it was? USA Up All Night. It, it was TNT or TBS because yeah. uh, because that it ran on TNT and TBS ad nauseum yeah. for the next decade after it was released. What are you I mean, talking about? Been, it's still playing. I know it's still. You know, I know. Like once a month on but those But that's channels. where I saw like most of the movie next the first time. Next to Iron time. Man. Yeah, yeah. They, they, those, those, both of those will, will grab movies and play them over and over and over and yeah. over and over again. Um, you know, Spike TV was bad about that when it was still on the you air. Shut you shut up. Know, I like Spike TV. Eh, you know, there, but there was like, there's several of those stations that, yeah. that will do that. USA would do it, you know, with certain movies and it just, yeah. Uh, okay. USA Up All Night yeah. is where I was introduced to the Toxic Avenger. Oh, yeah. All those trauma films oh, played on there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> we ought to do, we ought to like watch those, all of those Toxic Avengers because they're making a new one. <laughs> What? Yeah, they got a new one. It's in the works. No, so, I had no yeah. idea. Um, had also had one of the oddest. Like there was a Toxic Avenger cartoon yes. and toy line. I remember which those. is like, wait a second, a trauma film <laughs> <laughs> has a Saturday morning cartoon and a toy line <laughs> merchandising I know, baby, which is something. I was like, wow, that's okay, you know. Um, well, I mean, it was. Running. We gotta. We gotta also do an episode about. Movies, adult movies that are not adult, but like movies, <laughs> yeah. movies for adults. Reword that. Movies for adults or R-rated movies. Yeah, 
that got Saturday morning cartoons because there's quite a few of them. Well, and uh, the Toxic Avenger cartoon stuff. And it was all called that, Toxic Crusaders. Yeah, was it was called. Yeah, but it was running at about the same time that the Garbage Pail Kids stuff was out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a little later than that, but yeah, it was, but, was kind of after the craze had died down. On yeah, um, but they they, they were trying the to way. they were yeah. trying to dig back into it and bring it back up oh, with Toxic. You know what Avenger. movie I just I just picked up? This reminds me. Oh, and it actually ties into to that and sure. this both. Okay, I got a copy of Rock and Roll High School. <laughs> It's another. <laughs> Dude, yes, I know we might have to, we may have to review that at some point. So. No, we're totally going to have to do that one because that was that was one of the USA Up All Night movies. Yeah, it Every did. time I it know. was on, I was up till three in the morning oh, watching it. And the Ramones appear at the very end of it. You know, yep. and, just, and they're they're playing folding that New York style pizza over yep. in half so they can eat it. And singing and all the song that, Rock and Roll High School. You know, going down the, the halls of the, the school and everything. You know. So, anyways, I know we kind of, as we always do, we kind of went <laughs> off the rails on this. Um, I will say this. Almost Famous is, as I said before, it's in my top three movies of all time. And depending on the day, it might be number one. It yeah. just kind of depends. It's one of those things that I have. I definitely have a sliding scale of my top three or four movies that kind of, well, I think what's we today, do. what's, you know, type yeah. stuff. But this, for 20 years, has been up there. Yeah. Um. I remember because I was playing in a band at the time with my with Ronnie and you know yeah and like seeing this movie and then like coming home and like wanting to like call him like dude come on we got to play music you know type stuff you know of like no you don't understand you know this uh, and it being such an inspiring and I knew other people who played in bands and stuff too that they they, they would talk about like God that movie just made me want to yeah know. now it also has one of the most Telling and and really melancholy lines that I've ever heard in a movie dealing with music. And again, it's Lester Bangs. Like I said, he had all the best yeah, lines. You know, and it's one of those like later whenever he's William's talking to him and it's you know the 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 band has not has has denied all the stuff that he's written for Rolling Stone magazine. You know all this kind of stuff, and he's saying, "Yeah, you made friends with them. You can't do that." He's like, "They won. Yeah. You missed." That he's like, it, "It's it, it's 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 over. The music is over. The rock and roll is over." You know, base and he he basically goes on to say, you know, it's not the exact quote, but he's like, you know, the record companies have won. Yeah. That's all. That that's what's going on here, you know. And it's true. It's true. And and in the twenty years, even since this movie was released, we've seen that happen even more, where the record companies have won. Yeah, have won, and the artists are just screwed. Yeah, I mean, it's a. Really I saw are. a thing the other day. You know, the the guy that's the CEO of, um, or the guy that that founded Spotify is a billionaire. Yeah, and they're and the people who have music on there are making next to nothing whatsoever. They're making pennies. I know, pennies per play. Yeah, not even that much. You know, I, I remember hearing a few years ago, you know, when uh, Pharrell put out Happy. Yeah. That that guy on Spotify, that got like hundreds of millions of plays. He made a grand total of $20,000. I don't know where they're spending it at. Because I know. Because my subscription's expensive. It's yeah, crap. Yeah, I know. And it's, well, it's it's the same thing that, that record labels have been doing to... to musicians. Musicians for, from the beginning. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I've many times, you know told people like hey you know the rolling stones all of their early songs you know anytime they play satisfaction or jumping jack flash or uh 
you know, 19th Nervous Breakdown, you know, all, all that, that early Stone stuff, they don't get a penny of that from royalties because they had a lawyer that took all their publishing when they were first starting out, yep. and he gets paid everything. They don't. Yep. That, that's the way the music business has worked from the beginning. Hey, we're going to make you a star. We're going to pay you. We're going to give you money. We're going to blah, 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 blah. And then the artists wind up in real financial trouble. TLC, great example. Yeah. You go back and you go back and, and, and look at that story of somebody who sold 5 million el- uh, albums, had the biggest band, had the biggest album in the world, and had to file, the band had to file for bankruptcy because they, they quote unquote owed the record company so much money. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just, yeah, that, 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 that stuff is, is ridiculous. So, and, and it's kind of a downer we're leaving on here, but you know, it's, <laughs> well, I mean, but it's true. I mean, it, it's, that's, for the, for the quote, the, the yeah. record labels won, man. I know, it's, I know. it's over. It is. It is. It's like, yeah. And that's, um, it's, it's a sad reality of the, of the record business, the music business. It's, and it's always been that way. Yeah. You know, the record labels make millions and millions of dollars and the bands are struggling to get by, you know, and can be dropped at any time. Unless they can figure out how to make it work right. in other venues. Right. And, and even, but even now, you know, these, they're, these record labels are signing what they call these 360 deals. Whereas used to, and we're getting into a little bit of record business yep. 101. Might as well. You know, used to basically what would happen is that a you would, uh, record label would sign an artist. They would advance them, let's say, $100,000. And that hundred thousand dollars was an advance for them to go for and future sales, right? For them to go and make a record, make a record, and start touring, and start touring, and to pay for all that kind of stuff, basically for recording, you know, and touring. So what would happen is that when after everything was put out in the record, so you know, you you know, you go to Walmart or you go to Best Buy or some place like that, you pay sixteen dollars for a, a CD like it was back in the day. Yeah. The artist might recoup thirty cents on that. Yep. The entire thing might, with their royalty rate, until they paid back the hundred. Exactly, and that's that's not just loaning them a hundred grand no. flat. No, that's a hundred grand at what interest rate? Exactly, and on top of it all, usually what would end up happening when the band would go out on tour because you'd also generate money from your actual like tour stops, like. Uh, how much you got paid to perform, yeah, and also what you made for merchandising, yep. And usually the bands would take all like that was that was where they really that's made where their they money. were making their making money, the money on, on ticket sales yeah. or, or not even really on ticket sales because they don't really make the money on ticket sales. They make they they get paid like what happens is like a promoter says, okay, we want you to come in and play, and we'll pay you this amount of money we'll, to come we'll, here and play. In theory, we'll pay you fifty grand to or uh, we'll go a little lower than that. We'll pay you uh, we'll pay you 20 grand to come and play this evening, okay? Yeah. And then, you know, say, you know, you sell, you know, another 10 grand worth of 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 uh, merchandise that night. Yep. Okay? After, you know, after everything, okay? So, you're looking at it going, "Oh, great. You just made 60 grand that night." Well, that 60 grand gets split between however many people are in the band. Your roadies, yep. your um, you, your your guitar tech, your drum tech, your you know all that stuff. Your crew, your crew, like so. It's one of those the, things the that bus drivers, the bu- everything. The, the, that's the, what all the bus rental company. Now, in the past, the record company never got any of that. That was, but that's where you would make your money yep. was on was in touring and merchandise. But the record companies the, got wise to it these days because the record companies aren't making as much money because they can't sell a CD for eighteen dollars anymore. Yeah. 
Um, and so it's, and with streaming, they're not making as much money that way in theory, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So now they're signing all these young kids to do what they call a 360 deal, where basically it's, we get a part of your publishing, we get a part of your, your touring, we get a part of your merchandising, we get a part, I mean, it's one of, if you get, if you get a sponsor from somebody, we get a, we get a cut of that. Yep. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, dude, you're already taking if tons you, of money away from us as it is, and now you want more. If you that, make a dollar, we get 90 cents of it. Yeah, pretty much. And then the other 10 cents, everybody else has, you have to like pay all your crew and fight over what's left over yeah. in the band. Uh, and that and that sometimes, through that type of stuff, is when songwriting comes in, because if one person writes the song and it's a hit, well, they're getting all that royalty, and the other band members aren't, and the other band members are mad because... Yeah. Which is know, why you don't see bands much anymore. Right, you, you see, see solo artists. With, yeah. And, with the, with the and DJ. Even, and even... Going back a lot of years, what a lot of people don't know, Bon Jovi, John Bon Jovi got that record deal, and the rest of the guys were basically contract players. Yeah. Now they were quote unquote Bon Jovi, and some of them did wind up, you know, Richie more, more notably got you know publishing because he did help write songs and stuff like that. Yeah. But the band, as far as the overall, is John Bon Jovi, and they're all getting paid as as paid musicians you know, they're, they're hired they're, guns exactly you know and that's been and even that's though, been a thing before you even know, though and, you know they're hired guns for how many albums all of them you yeah. know i mean now you know that that also when you talk about like alex van such you know that um was the original bass the quote-unquote original bass player in the band who was yeah. fired you know back in the early 90s but it was one of those things that come to find out he wasn't playing on the albums. It's actually the dude that tours with them, has been touring with them ever since he left, yeah. has played on every Bon Jovi album since the beginning. And they just they would bring Such in just to be the the, the tour guy, the tour guy yeah. you know, is, is, oh yeah, you're a member of the band, but you're not really, you know. So, so yeah, there, there's so much more you go into with all that stuff, and it's, it's maddening. <laughs> So it is. It is. Uh, it's a dirty, dirty. It's a dirty business. business. It you is gotta a dirty really loves playing music yes. to really get into it. And that's you know again. And that's, you better have a good lawyer. That's your lawyer and not the and record not the record company. companies. Because yeah. that's another thing. The record company. Oh, you need a lawyer. We'll set you up with one. Oh, you need a manager. We'll set you up with one. Oh, you need a. They're all in the in the in the pocket of the of the record company. On top of it all, get they are stealing lawyer. you just from you just the same way as everyone else. Get so. your own manager. Mm-hmm. Get your own accountant. Get an get a manager who's going to manage that manager. Yep. Get an accountant. Mm-hmm. Get a second accountant to keep that accountant right. in line. Because there are tons of stories of accountants stealing people blind. Yeah. I mean, just you know, doing creative bookkeeping to exactly. where they're just pocketing Billy Joel. Yeah. I mean, there there's there's num there are numerous accounts of that kind of stuff because the thing is is like and i'm the same way i'm i'm guilty of like when like when we play and dave knows this i said like look dude i just want to play music i yeah. don't care about any of the rest of the stuff dave's very business minded he's thinking about all this stuff. i'm like dude i just want to write songs and get out and perform <laughs> now i'm the, i know very I'm, well I'm the that deacon of our group. i know very well that i can't just do that yeah. because the thing is is that i'll play for free i don't care you know <laughs> and it's <laughs> He's the, I'll, you he's know, the Freddie Mercury of I our really group. I really am. I'm like, dude, I'm, just I'm put the, me on the stage. Let's go. I'm you know? the deacon it's, of the group. Yeah, and it's just kind of one of those like, ah, eh, you know. Um, but some people are like that, you know. I mean, that's uh, – some people are, you know, some people are, are – I, like I like to play music, but I want to make sure that things are taken yeah, care of. Yeah, and also. I just want to play music and have somebody else taken care of, which means that somebody else is going to be making a lot more money than I am because they're going to take the vast majority of it. So. <laughs> 
So, anyways, no. now that we've uh, we've been on a, a rant for the last ten minutes, uh, it's about over, something man. That's not, the record companies won. Yeah, they won, man. It's over. I know. It's just uh, it's such a great movie, especially now as we're recording this. It fall has finally hit Tennessee. It feels wonderful Thank outside, goodness. and this is a great movie on a on a cool autumn night. Yeah, to put on to put the put the uh, you know light a candle, open the windows, put this movie on. Yeah, you'll grab see you your a future. grab you a you know a glass of wine or a cup of coffee or whatever you're doing, you know, and just kick back and watch it. It is such a Great, great movie. Watch this movie while burning a candle. You'll, you'll see, see your future. future. There you go. <laughs> anyway, so guys, thank you so much for uh, enduring, for enduring, yeah, enduring this, for uh, allowing us, uh, you know, to to talk about this. Yeah. Uh, we uh, we are we are two short weeks away from Oktoberfest starting. Yes. The most wonderful time of the year. The one most wonderful. And we time have some really cool stuff planned for you guys. Matter of fact, we're going to start recording them because. We wind up putting out two episodes a week. We try to put out two episodes a week all throughout the, the month of October. And we gotta we, we gotta, gotta get some stuff in the can. And we gotta get some stuff in the can, but we also have a killer list for this year. So and we're not should gonna we, tell you Should no, we give them a piece? No, no. Actually, here's what you can do. If you go to our either our Facebook page or Instagram Instagram, especially Instagram or Twitter. Or Twitter or one or in or parlor or parlay or whatever it is. We are we, we finally got this, okay? It is supposed to be parlay. Because it's French. Because it's French and, and parlay means to speak. Yes. I think that's what it is, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I didn't take French. I I read that somewhere. I'm not as the smart as of, I sound. The only kind of French I know is kissing. And there you go. Uh, so the <laughs> I have another joke for that one. Be nice. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but the thing is, is that as it's become more popular, people were pronouncing it parlor, so they've kind of started going with that because, you know, we're all a bunch of ugly Americans and don't know how to <laughs> how to enunciate words the correct way sometimes. So I know um, it's supposed to be parlay, but I'm going to keep calling it parlor because it, it may it annoy somebody go. that I know who is actually living in France well, right there now. There you go. So the thing is, if you go to any of our of our social, social media. medias, uh, even our YouTube page, we, I, we'll have links to all this as well as caffeineandsleepingpills.com. All links in the notes. We will have teases of what's coming up throughout Oktoberfest, yeah. as well as just our regular, you know, our regular shows because we do have after this one we have one more in September. Yep. And then we're into Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest. It's gonna be wonderful. So, anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening this week to Almost Famous and we're gonna go out with Tiny Dancer because you kinda have to. Yeah, you kinda have so, to. So anyways, thank Shh, you guys. Here it comes. I know. Here it comes. I know. Isn't it wonderful? Blue jean, mm, baby, LA out in the streets. Now it's funny when we drop this in here, I won't be completely off. Yeah, yeah you will. <laughs> yeah you will. <laughs> I am Big Dave. <laughs> and I am Alan Smith. Thanks for tuning in, guys. <laughs> we'll see you next time. See ya.